So the Full Money Bears book is a story of me and my wife teaching our three children that they actually have four options when it comes to money. They can spend it. We all know that. We're in a consumer-based economy. Nothing new there. They can save it. A lot of kids understand that. Put money, piggy bank, whatever. But there's two other very important aspects. You talked about that at the beginning of the show is the concept of investing and the concept of giving and Mm -hmm. why all four of those need to be placed in our awareness because we realize what money is. Once you recognize that you don't just have two options, you actually have four. It's so much easier to rationalize how to use money as you get older. As Christians, we were taught to be good stewards over our tithing and giving to the less fortunate. But when it came to our own personal finances and investments, we are clueless on what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about managing debt, leaving a legacy, investing, or even planning for retirement? We answer these and many other questions because we want to teach you how to be rich and righteous. If this is your first time to the show, we want to say welcome. If you're coming back for another spiritual refill, welcome back. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and this is Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. Welcome back. I am A.B. Ridgeway, host of Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things in My Mom's Favorite Christian Financial Advisor. With nearly a decade in the financial industry, I have helped hundreds of investors declutter their personal finances by providing investment strategies that align with the Word of God. We'll teach you ways to become a powerful, tithing Christian and reduce the risk of outliving your money and serve your way into leadership. Before we begin, be sure to hit the subscribe on your podcast platform. And as a thank you, you can go to our show homepage, www.abrwealthmanagement.com backslash podcast and download our free Christian resource guide for biblical principles every Christian should know about finances to create generational wealth. And the link will be in the description below. Now, in a recent research report by Barner titled Revisiting the Tithe and Offering, it stated, that when U.S. adults are asked if they're familiar with the term tithe, about two in five indicate they are familiar and are able to provide a definition. The same percentage, however, indicate they are unfamiliar with the term, and only one-fifth says that they are familiar with the word but cannot recall what it means. Surprisingly, among Christians, specifically among churchgivers, Less than half can decisively say what the tithe is. So, if churchgoers who sit in church every Sunday can barely understand what a tithe is, which is why the show is so important, then what happens to the children when they only get financial guidance three times in their life? When they get their first check, get married, and retire? I'll tell you what happens. We find ourselves dealing with a generation that is financially illiterate and will only expand the wealth gap between the haves and the have-nots. Now, obviously, this is troubling news, but I have some hope because our next guest is the man who is destined to close that gap. He is the CEO of Finlit Tech, which is a combination of financial literacy and financial technology. He is single-handedly creating a space where children as young as five years old can have access to financial education through fun and interactive platforms that are engaging and encourages growth. Today's conversation is going to get really deep, but it is said that if 
We can't help others if we are unable to help ourselves. We discussed the three challenges families face when it comes to finances, a lack of awareness, receiving financial education too late, and diversity gaps. We discussed his new book, The Four Money Bears, that correlates with the four ways we manage money and how, unfortunately, we've only been using two of them. And finally, we break down what the future looks like for us and the next generation, how you can be the change you want to see. So if you would have received better financial information earlier in life, then tune in because your listen may help save a generation. My tithing titans and my gifting gals. He is the CEO of Finlit Tech, a certified financial planner, author of The Four Money Bears and Motivate Your Money. Matt continues to be an influence to children all over the nation and recently have partnered with Bay First to provide books for children in Tampa and the surrounding areas. His new app, Berryville, will allow him to bring their Teach Kids Money mission to banks, investment firms, and financial institutions across the nation. With over 20 years in the financial service industry, from watching his dad come home in a suit and tie, talking about assets, liabilities, and leverage, to joining us today to teach you how you can make this world worth living in through financial education, let's welcome Mac Garner. How are you doing, Mac? Hey, B, thank you so much for having me, man. I'll tell you what, I, I've done quite a few of these podcasts. That by far has been one of the best introductions I think I've <laughs> ever received. Hey, thank you for having me, brother. Well, you're very welcome. I, I think that you need an introduction like that because we really need to set the stage for what people are approaching here. What you're changing is the horizon on which we see finances. And I think it's very important that we do not align ourselves with generalists. People who just want to talk about finances, people who feel they have something on their heart, you are aspiring to change how we see finances. And I think it's just very important to introduce you that way, because people who are listening to you right now, they do not understand that they have the privilege to witness somebody in the next five to 10 years that is going to change the way that we teach finances to our children. So thank you so much. No, no, thank you. And and I love how you surmise and and put that all together because when i sat down to write the four money bears book it it initially was a response from a client Mm -hmm. a a successful client who did well on their own but there was this gap they were saying they said mac you know we never got taught about money if we never got taught how do we teach our kids and so it was really a favor to a client that has grown into something that I honestly, I never thought it would grow to reach and teach as many people as it is. Yes. And, and, and we're very excited for that spark. And, and for all the advisors out there listening is that it's very important to get feedback from our clients because you never know what direction uh, that suggestion is going to, to take you. So I think that's very important to address. Let's talk about that for a little bit, kind of these this lack of awareness of knowledge, because obviously your client felt that there was something missing that he was getting through you or she was getting through you Mm -hmm. that they felt that humanity needed as a whole so can we talk about that lack of awareness in our society as far as financial literacy is concerned for sure so my first book is titled motivate your money i wrote motivate your money for the big people for the grown-ups because i spent you know 20 years in the financial services industry wore a lot of different hats you know retail banking commercial corporate lending, 
uh, personal trust administration, corporate 401k. I, I wore a lot of different hats, a lot of, had a lot of experiences, but it was just mind blowing, AB. And, and you've probably seen this too, working with people that are very wealthy, but really had very little personal finance education or knowledge. Yes. I mean, not understand the difference between a term insurance and a permanent insurance, not understanding the difference between a, a regular brokerage account and an IRA and some of the tax benefits. There's things that we take for granted because we're in this space. And so that was my first book, Motivate Your Money. Uh, again, wrote it for adults, a way to take my my Mac nuggets, as I like to call them, and, 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 and simplify things for people. And then when my client, who happened to be on the board of uh, Jack and Jill, uh, an organization in, in Houston, Texas, where I have my practice, came to me and said, Mac, I love the Mac Nuggets. Can you put something together for kids? And so that's when we really started doing the research into financial education. And so this was five, six years ago that wrote this book. Then there were maybe 10 states, maybe even single digits that required any sort of financial literacy by high school. Today, it's 15. But here's the problem. When we talk about this gap or this, this, this lack of, a, 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 of knowledge out there, yeah. These schools aren't requiring this until your senior year in high school, which is typically mm. 17, 18 years old. There's a Cambridge study that came out that showed that a child's connectivity with money, AB, starts as early as age seven, sometimes as early as age five. So there is the issue in that there is a big gap if you happen to be fortunate to live in a state that requires financial literacy. It's too late. <laughs> to start introducing the, 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 these behaviors, financial behaviors, it needs to start earlier. Right. And, and I think you, you hit it right on the nail too, is, is this awareness? Because a lot of people who are listening, they are very wise, but the knowledge is not there, right? Mm -hmm. What we like to say is that talk to me as if I don't have any knowledge of the subject, but I have infinite wisdom. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are open to understand what's going on, but when people just tell you, put your head down, learn about history, learn about science, learn about biology, learn, you know, these are your core, you know, philosophy, things of that nature. Sometimes that could be a struggle for professionals because they're like, I know I'm not dumb. I, I you know, I know I can get this. I, if, if, if you gave it to me earlier, <laughs> if you gave it to me earlier, exactly. And I think you, you hit it right on the nail because if we could start them at five, think about that. That's 13 years a financial education. So by the time they're ready for their first loan, by the time they're ready for their first house, when they're ready for their first, you know, opportunity, their first check, they'll be ready. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about the four money bears and, and more about that book and how that impacts children? In my first book, I talk about the five steps to financial success, plan accordingly, right? Spend cautiously, save diligently, invest wisely, and give generously. And, and those were five steps that people in my years doing financial planning and working with people that have accumulated wealth over time, they sort of followed those five steps. And then, you know, they were in their 60s and were able to retire and had money to live off of or even money to pass on to, to next generations. And so when we looked at the full money bears, we wanted a, a, a way, a fun and entertaining way for a parent to sit down with a child and really start the conversation and make them aware. I talk about the uh, the three R's of our relationship with money. You know, you realize what money is, you, you recognize what it does, then you can start rationalizing how to use it. For a lot of young people, mine included, AB, because think about it. You're a parent. I know you're a parent. I'm a parent. If you're a parent, not be listening. You're taking your child to the store on the weekends. And the first place the kid runs off to is the 
Toys actually. Toys actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just naturally what it is. And so I just sat there looking at them. I was like, you know what? These kids really have no clue what money can do for. And so the Full Money Bears book is a story of me and my wife teaching our three children that they actually have four options when it comes to money. They can spend it. We all know that. We're in a consumer-based economy. Nothing new there. They right. can save it. A lot of kids understand that. Put money in the piggy bank, whatever. But there's two other very important aspects. You talked about that at the beginning uh, of, of the show is the concept of investing and the concept of giving and mm -hmm. why all four of those need to be placed in our awareness because we realize what money is. Once you recognize that you don't just have two options, you actually have four it's so much easier to rationalize how to use money as you get older. And I think it's very important too, because the second parts are the most vital parts, which is crazy. <laughs> is that if you are going to learn any two ideas about money, if you have to choose two, you would choose investing and giving, right? Because because <laughs> when you because obviously they almost like work together because to invest, you have to give. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have a company. If somebody invests into you, they are giving some of their assets to you to grow and to to get more more assets. You know, that whole kind of transactional relationship between buying and, and selling is is pretty stagnant. But when you talk about investing and giving, that's where you start talking about growth, um, whether you're giving knowledge or if you're giving money. So non-monetary and monetary mm -hmm. um, aspects as well. So let's let's talk about this here for a little bit more, because. Let's break down this investment bear because you have this great exercise that you do with children that I just love. Um, it has to do with the $100 bill. I am not going to steal your thunder by <laughs> no means. Okay. Um, so can you explain this exercise that you do with children at an early age to help them start recognizing how to use money effectively? And, and parents tune in as well, because I think this applies to you. This is the first time I'm sitting or standing in front of a gym full of elementary school students, right? And I'm like, okay, how am I going to get these little kids to just to chill out? Right, <laughs> <You know? right. laughs> and so someone was sharing with me the, 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 the three E's of public speaking. You want to educate, you want to entertain, but first you want to engage. You need mm -hmm. to grab your audience. And so I have been doing this for years, but I actually keep a $100 bill in my wallet you know, you know, emergency, something happens. So I said, you know, what, let me take this $100 bill out. So I took the $100 bill out and I opened it. And of course, all these kids see this big denomination. I'm like, ooh, ah, and it got them quiet. And I was like, okay, folks, young people, if I gave you this $100 bill, what would you do with it? And AB, it was amazing. Here's why it was amazing. Hands flew in the air. And what do you think nine out of 10 children responded to that question? Spin, spin. I would buy this. I would buy, buy this, that. buy I that buy candy, that. shoes, mm -hmm. toys, blah, 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 Pokemon cards. Blah. And, and it was fascinating. But what it became was an actual experiment in this fact, sad fact, that our children are conditioned to consume from a very early age. Right. Because I wouldn't just do it one time. I've done this countless times. And so it was a great way to show sort of where children are now societally, you know, and of course it could be regional, it could be demographic. And, and I've done it before where some kids will say, yeah, I put it in my piggy bank and I'd be like, okay, yeah, you're lying. That probably wouldn't be the first thing you did with the money, but at least, you know, they understand. But very rarely would you hear a child raise their hand and say, I'd buy some Nike stock or some Starbucks stock, right. or I'd buy some property, um, you know, start a business, 
or, you know, give it to someone else. You may have one or two kids. I give it to a family member in need. That's usually further down the conversation. So that's really what this hundred dollar bill challenge did is really started to show me, hey, you know, this stuff needs to start early because if that's the mode young people are in and right. no one drops into their mind's eye that they have other options besides just blowing their money, it could lead to some, some stressful financial times out. Well, there's two points I want to hit on. One, the fact that you're carrying $100 in your wallet. The reason it makes me laugh is because when I was younger, my dad used to tell me to keep a dollar in my pocket. It just tells you about inflation. <laughs> <laughs> he says, son, you know, keep at least don't spend your last dollar. That's one mm -hmm. thing he should always tell me. And then he said, just in case you got to make a phone call. But, you know, nowadays they don't have pay phones where, you know, you put a dime in there, a quarter to make a phone call. Uh, but my second point is underrepresentation. The question comes up in society quite often as far as, well, why aren't you this? And why don't you know this in your family? And what I've noticed is that I have four children and they mimic you mm -hmm. better than they listen to you. Mm -hmm. So your four-year-old doesn't really understand the words that you're using, but he does understand your mannerisms, how you live, how you eat, your how actions, you your habits. Yes. They, they, they learn to mimic you very well because mm -hmm. that depends on their survival. Because if you've lived that long, if they just copy you, they'll live just as long. Mm -hmm. And I think when we mature and we start finding our own identity, we lose that. Let me mirror the people who are successful and do those same tasks. With that said, I think we're underrepresented. So for you, your father went to Howard University, I believe, and actually mm -hmm. went to get his graduate degree at NYU. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. That is a good representation for you to see your father come home in a suit every day. Mm -hmm. And it's a great example. This representation is not everywhere. People mm -hmm. aren't seeing these doctors they're not seeing these lawyers and they're not engaging with financial planners that are going to introduce them mm -hmm. to these financial concepts that they're going to need because finances is the bloodline, mm -hmm. like it or not, of society. Yep. Whether you're an engineer, you're a doctor, lawyer, whether you work at Dollar General, Finance is going to be the bloodline of your finances. So let's talk about this underrepresentation. Yeah. Um, you as an author um, for children finance, what does the horizon look like for financial literacy and financial technology? And what does the representation look like? And how are you changing that? One of the big things when we were constructing this whole four money bears concept, I intentionally made two of the bears girls and two of the bears boys both can see that and i intentionally made them all different colors as an overt nod ab to the need for more diversity equity and inclusion in the financial services industry you make a great point see it be it it's a lot yes. easier for folks to be able to to, to reach places to say hey, you know what I, I, I see this person this guy this gal did it uh, we feel so blessed. We received a, a see it be it award from investment news this year for the work that we're doing. Congratulations. Equity. Thank you. Good, good, good. And so the book was written to help people of all backgrounds, all colors, start the conversation about money. What we are hoping will be a nice, maybe ancillary benefit of this mm -hmm. book is for young people of different backgrounds and different races and different creeds to say, oh, this is a career choice? Because think about it. Right. 
you know, I, my parents are from the Caribbean. I, my dad's from Antigua, my mom's from Haiti. And in a Caribbean household, they want you to be a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer. <laughs> right. you, you're one of those three things. Ah, you know, we, our, our job is done. You know, move on. No one runs around saying, oh, I want you to be in corporate finance or CFP or an advisor or, or you know, maybe if, 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 if you're a CPA, you get by because they know <laughs> what you do. But that's really what we're looking to do here. And we feel that if we can start the conversation about money earlier in young people's lives, an offshoot of that would be this awareness that that's actually a possible and potential career choice yes. for young people to walk the path and help other folks uh, with their money. So, so yeah, we 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 really we want to educate folks, but we also believe that there is a huge opportunity uh, in front of us. You know, you know the stats. You know, the average certified financial planner right now, there's more of them north of 65 than they are south of 35. Right. Our industry needs more young people. Uh, and and so we're we're hoping that we can we we can knock out a few birds with one stone without platform educate yeah. as well as get more folks in the business. You know, I, I totally agree with you one hundred percent. And and I exhaust a little bit here on the the show is because in the underdeveloped communities, a lot of the times we are encouraged to join careers with the least amount of possibility of success with the greatest number of people trying to get there. So I played basketball growing up and I played D1 basketball, Grandma State University. It's, it's an HBCU, that kind of thing. And um, but I played basketball. So my parents had some time to, <laughs> you know, come <laughs> home. My dad worked graveyard. My mom worked swing ship. But the point is that only about 1% of athletes actually even make it to <clears throat> d1 basketball or even d1 sports and it's even less than make it into the pros but yet we have hundreds of thousands of kids who want to get into that career when there is a blue ocean mm. of financial advisor positions of engineers people are actually going to push the culture forward and it just comes from exposure you know we are not our local dentist doesn't come and talk to us and mm -hmm. say hey listen I'm a dentist. This is a career, not an opportunity. Being a celebrity is an opportunity. It can come by night. Entertainment is is very fickle. Um, yeah, it's very particular. It's controlled by a small group of people, but there is greater opportunity in some of these other fields. And people like you, I'm very happy because you are combining financial literacy with financial technology. And this is leading me to my next uh, comment here is that we need both. Yeah. You know, technology is driving the way that kids educate themselves. And we really want to make sure that we are doing it in the best possible way, using technology like analytics and tracking and things of that nature to make sure that what we're doing is appropriate and it has some long term benefits. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you're combining financial literacy mm -hmm. and financial technology to, you, you said it, that third E, engage children at a younger age, so they fall in love with finance. We wrote the book and funny, but maybe sad backstory, sent a copy of the book, AB, to 30 state school boards to try to get our book, to find out the process to get a book into a public school. The process to do that, we heard back from about seven states, the process to get a book into a public school is mind-numbingly painful wow. and arduous. And so we're like, wow, this, this is interesting. 
But I would go to my kids' schools and I would see that children are learning on laptops. They're learning on iPads. They're learning digitally. So we're like, okay, you know what? Why not develop a tool that parents, teachers, folks can access because we have to meet folks where they are. That's one of the other big issues that we could probably spend another hour on right, right. <laughs> is, is, is meeting people where they are when it comes to providing financial education. So that's when we started Finlit Tech because parents kept coming to me and saying, hey, Mac, love the book. Is there an app? Is there some sort of digital platform that we can utilize with our kids? And it's a lot easier to scale an app than it is a book. And so our mission at Finlit Tech is to build a bridge between financial literacy and financial technology because there's a ton of fintech out there to help you do stuff with your money. There's not a lot of fintech out there that's helping to teach you what to mm. do with your money. And so we envision the For Money Bears Berryville app that we're developing right now as the, the on-ramp to a child's digital financial education process, right? Mm. Sort of a, a digital um, lemonade stand. Right. We're going to be able to teach kids or children or whomever, you know, the user is, I mean, everyone plays games, you have to be kids to play the game, um, both sides of the personal finance fence. This is what we mean. Entrepreneurship is important. That's actually your first step in investing is when you take your hard earned money and you put it into a venture that can make you more money. That's mm. in essence what investing is. And so right. there's entrepreneurship. You run your, your family berry stand. And then the other side of that fence is the management of the money once you have it. And that's when the four money bears come in, serve as guides to the player of the game. And through this platform, what we've done is we've redeveloped the financial education process. We're going to be able to teach financial literacy, right, through this gamified process. We're going to be able to analyze the user engagement and then track that progress over time. Mm. Because you mentioned earlier, first thing that children pick up from their parents are the habits. And interestingly yes. enough, it's their parents' spending habit is the first financial habit a child picks up. So why not introduce a game that can sort of look at where this user is now, and then from a behavioral finance perspective, provide some guidance away from some of those bad <laughs> behaviors into behaviors that can allow them to develop some some some, some long-term benefits yes I, I think that's beautiful i'm not gonna name any names here because i don't want to get sued by anybody but <laughs> technology the way that it's going here these algorithms some of them are geared to rewarding poor behaviors poor decisions negativity uh, i just put on my facebook earlier that i find it ironic that I cannot find the people I try to engage with. So I may come to your page. I may go to a friend page, a Christ-centered life and things of that nature. I'll like your stuff all day. I'll comment, engage, and you know, visit the page. But on my feed, I don't see it. But I find one video of somebody slipping and falling, and I may like it. And now I have all these ads about slipping and falling, all these videos and things of that nature. So what I'm saying is that these algorithms are pushing and rewarding this negative behavior, but it looks like your game Berryville rewards good behavior and a better environment that's going to have a positive impact on the children that engage with it. So when you're selling the berries, I saw it on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, congratulations. It looks like it's fully funded on Kickstarter. So 
seems like you have a lot of great support and, and, and people backing you to to make this um, journey uh, mm -hmm. a lot smoother. But rewarding people for good behavior, good manage money management skills, the ability to save, the ability to invest, the ability to give and rewarding them. Now, I wish we had more of that, because if you want to destroy a society, you work with the children and their thought process, because if you control the mind, the body must follow. And you, it looks you know what? I love what there, there's another I think it's uh, oh, my goodness, it's, it's a Chinese philosopher. And he, I, I use this. I, I use the saying all the time. If you're plan is for a year plant rice if your plan is for 10 years plant a tree yes. if your plan is for 100 years teach children that's awesome that's awesome and 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 and, and maybe and sorry to cut you short there but no you're okay the, thing, the things that you're saying that i think are extremely important and what i want your audience to understand is we're not just looking to change the behavior of the children that's sort of the immediacy of playing the game. But I believe in my heart of hearts, all we are at the end of our days is a collection of stories, right? Yes. All our kids will hear stories about 401ks and IRAs investment stock because we're in this business. A vast majority of children won't. So imagine being able to drop or deploy a game into a community and all of a sudden the stories are changing and children are now saying, hey, you know what? When they get that $100 bill, Whereas before they blow it on a pair of Nikes. Now they spend it on some things. They put some in their piggy bank. They save some. And all of a sudden this concept of awareness of ownership of Nike. Yes. I don't want to just buy the shoes. I can own the company. And then that fourth one is the ability to give to those in need. So that starts here with the child. Then it opens up to the household. Then that can spread to the community. And so that's really what we're looking to do. Yes, it, 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 it's a it's a longer tale because you're <laughs> starting it when these young people are, you know, five, six, seven years old. But that's really what the impact that we're looking to make long term. I like what you're saying here, because there are some studies about who should you engage with if you want to make some change. And children obviously are going to be the future. But as you said before, if you want to make immediate impact, you have to affect the parents. Mm -hmm. And we have to change some of these money scripts. You know, as a financial planner, I know you've heard this many times. The 401k is evil. You can't get your money till 59 and a half. And that's a ripoff. And you're you taking my money. Like, you're putting your yeah. own money into, and they're giving you money. <laughs> giving you money. Right. Yeah. But these are money scripts that we tell ourselves over and over again. Um, you know, I, I said this before, you know, I have four children. And the one thing I always coach them on is this. I say, son, daughter, I am not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to teach you how to how think. To think. Yep. Exactly. Google is a great resource, but Google has no answers. Google only gives you the available answers. Mm -hmm. It is you still need the cognitive ability to decipher between the information that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, as in life and everything, garbage in, garbage, garbage out. out. <laughs> so the quality of the things that you get out is the quality of the things that you put in. If we are not putting in financial success, if we're not putting in these financial strategies, if we are not putting in the, the perspective that money, when leveraged properly, can give you everything that you desire and that you don't have to spend your way to financial freedom, mm -hmm. that you can invest and give your way that way, 
then we're going to continue these same money scripts. It's almost like a tape. I don't know if people remember tapes. Um, let's say <laughs> it's like a streaming platform. I don't know. But, you know, you're writing this thing, you're playing it over and over again. It's going to change the way that you look at things. You know, they say you change the way that you look at things and the things you look you at will change. change. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as far as financial literacy, we need to change our proximity. And I'm, I'm going to tap this in here because you've recently had a partnership Mm -hmm. um, with Bay First, mm -hmm. which is actually changing that proximity, yeah. right? Because the distance between children and finances are so large, you're changing that proximity and you're changing the perception of money. So can you tell us more about that partnership, how it came about and what you're doing in that space? Because I think it's very profound. Would love to. Uh, spent many years, started my career off in banking. And for those of you who are listening right now, banks here in the United States have a division called the CRA division or the Community Reinvestment Act division. And what this division does is it allows for financial institutions to give back to the community. And the higher your CRA score is, it, it's, it's you know beneficial to the bank too. They get preferential pricing on money that they get from the Fed. So it's a sort of way for financial institutions to incentivize them to, to give back to the community. So. We started working with Bay First because not all bank financial institutions, CRA platforms are the same, right? You know, your big banks are bigger ones, your small community banks, some of them focus on it more than others, but Bay First is one that actually does quite a good job and has a platform in the community here in Tampa, St. Pete to give back to, uh, to the community and young people in the community. And so when we, we're, when we built the app, or as we build the app, I should say, there are really three ways we're looking to engage the market. One is B2C or, you know, the Apple store, Android store, you know, you have a kid with a phone and our iPad, you know, play that way. That's one. Second is through schools, through educational resources. But the third, AB, is through financial institutions, because we believe that financial institutions, especially the traditional banks, if they don't start adapting fintech in ways outside of just getting people to do stuff with their money, they're going to start losing clients. All right. And so we have been able to work with Bay First initially through our book. So we've done several community events where I actually go out to the branches, I go out to the community and start doing uh, a book readings to engage uh, young people, which is awesome. And then once the app is developed, Bay First is gonna be one of the first uh, banks in this region in Tampa to utilize our app to do that three things that we said, teach, analyze, and track the progress. Because now they will have the ability to have that data, to go to shareholders, to go to the uh, board members of that bank to not just say, hey, we're, we're not just doing this. This is the data that's showing exactly how we're impacting our community and how young people uh, are, are, are learning about money in a different way. Wow, that's great. Because I think the big banks and the institutions, they have their reach mm -hmm. and the audience, right? Because you're, you're only, you can only go to so many book readings. You can only you know get in front of so many audiences. But some of these banks and institutes, they have such a large reach and they can make such a, a large impact. Now, one of the troubles with being such a big bank is, or institution for that matter, is making a shift. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've seen something about Chick-fil-A. The whole is my pleasure. I think it took like two to three years to to come about, you know, to put into stores, to get mm-hmm. into training, to get everybody trickle on down. the same to, to trickle down. What do you see as far as timeline is concerned that once an institution implements this change into their service model or into their marketing, things of that nature, how long do you think it would take for you to change a community? That's a great question. And 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 actually part of the reason why we're building this platform, AB, is because we have in our minds, our belief, our team here at Finland Tech that's developing this platform that the financial education process just needs to change. It's extreme, yes. it's Byzantine, which is a, a fascinating term. Uh, it's just very old, it's very archaic. It's, it's, it's very, here's a book, read it. We believe that having this digital aspect, the FinTech side of it can close gaps, can bring up about a rapid change. We just don't know how rapid of a change it can be. We believe that starting with local regional banks and having those types of partners, we're talking with fintech companies as well. E-Money is one of our clients. They're waiting in the winds for this uh, for this app to be uh, to be developed because I believe personally, Matt Gardner, that financial advisors are actually a great resource for financial yes. literacy in communities. So. We're, you know, when if you look at our whiteboard, we're, we've got banks, we've got credit unions, we also have um, mutual fund companies, uh, we have current fintech uh, firms. We're talking to Greenlight, uh, which is a current um, sort of neo bank that does uh, banking and some investing for. You know, they're really middle school, high school. They don't start as early as elementary school, but we believe that once we start this process early and the exposure early, that amazing things can change. And amazing things can happen. You know, I, I really like that answer. And I'm glad you didn't say, oh, in two to three years, this is going to change. I'm glad you didn't say that. And the reason is because this is a long play. We encourage our investors to stay within at least a business cycle, which is around roughly five years. Right. So if you're in a trough or an expansion, mm-hmm. a business cycle is typically about five years. And we ask them to invest in companies to see their return or see the value in in their portfolio over that time period. This is a larger endeavor than choosing between Nike stock or Google or (laughs) Amazon. Large cap or mid cap or small cap. (laughs) Exactly. This is a life choice and a career for you that you dedicated your life to changing the face of financial literacy and financial technology. So I am very glad to hear that you're not trying to change the market overnight. You're trying to engage the market, find out where you fit in, and change it from the inside out, as opposed to just kind of chanting outside of the fence. Um, I really appreciate it. And also, if you missed it, Mac has been in the industry for over 20 years. So don't think that he has this wild idea. He came off the street. And he woke up one day and was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book. That didn't happen. What he's doing, he's partnering with great investors. He's partnering with good institutions. He's he's He has a great advisory board that is guiding him in these decisions um, because he understands that if you want to go fast, you go by yourself. But if you want to go, go far, far, you need to, to take there. a you take a team. You take a team. Yeah. So even though earlier I did say single handedly, I said that kind of tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. where I am talking about him positioning himself in fi- financial literature and financial technology, where he is prepared 
to face the giants in which we've already been established this archaic method that we're we're dealing with at this point so so let's take another look we're, we're almost uh, toward the end of the podcast here but i also want to take a, a little smaller dip a, a toe dip <laughs> into <laughs> because you know mac is such a great guy I probably could talk for hours but i want to leave more time for him less than me because you you know me but the psychology of finances and wellness okay because i think when people don't have their finances in order sometimes their health is affected as well mm -hmm. because when we don't have enough money for healthy foods we go to mcdonald's and and fast food places that sell you a dollar cheeseburger right mm -hmm. um can you talk about the psychology of finance because you touched on behavioral finance and you're also working with or you're talking to duke university as far as behavioral finance is concerned mm -hmm. let's talk about that just a little bit if we can what i love about the space that we are in ab i like to tell people that People care what you look like. People care what you sound like. People care where you're from. Money doesn't. Money's right. a tool. We're just here to help teach you how to use this tool. So we work with University of South Florida. We work with uh, Duke University and the whole behavioral finance area and aspect because what folks I think are starting to get this awareness of when it comes to financial wellness is that it really is a, if you can think visually of a net or web of the aspects of your life that are impacted by money. There's the physical, talked about food. There's the mental, right? One of the top reasons leaders are stress in, in, yeah. in, in, in the workplace, in the home is finance. There's the spiritual, right? There is a, there, there's definitely an element there and how that money affects with tithing and so on and so forth. But the fourth one is also important, it's relational. So there's so many aspects that our finances touch that the industry is starting to finally have this awareness like, oh, okay, it's not just putting money in a savings account and having three to six months of emergency <laughs> funds doesn't come up. Uh, in fact, when we worked with eMoney last year, you know, they're developing a, an app uh, called uh, Incentive. It's a financial wellness app. They hired us to help provide them some advice and guidance as consultants, and as well as do some other things that are really bringing a lot of light to the bigger focus or the bigger picture, which is this overall financial wellness. And we believe at Finland Tech that there's a formula to financial wellness, right? There's the financial literacy, very important, need to have it. There's tons of it out there. But you also need to add to that the financial capability or the tools, because if you got a bunch of knowledge, but you don't give people the tools to implement the knowledge, right. <laughs> you know, why even bother? To, so we believe that it's financial literacy plus financial technology, financial capability. That's what eventually gets us to financial wellness. And so, you know, th that's that's what I have. I've sort of become this face of, uh, you know, financial wellness and, and how fintech can, can help get us there. Well, that, this is awesome. And I do want to leave some space because I want everybody out there to go get the book. <laughs> That's what I want. If you're listening to this right now, if you got anything out this conversation, you should have got a few things. One, that you can do something now. Even though we do get education later in life, if we wait one more day, it's just going to be one more day later. You need to start introducing the next generation. Yes. Maybe you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s or maybe even a grandparent at this point. But 
you do have grandchildren, you have nieces, you have nephews, you have cousins, you have neighbors that are in that age range where you can start helping them. And this book is going to help you get there. It's going to introduce those concepts that maybe you didn't even know. You know, I read the book. I was like, hmm, didn't think about that. <laughs> think about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, that's and interesting. That, we, we, that, that's a great, I'm glad you mentioned that, A.B., because we've had so many parents actually thank us for not making the kid too babyish or too kitty. Right. Because I, I've had parents say, man, those worksheets you put in the back are pretty helpful. Thanks. <laughs> right. And, and, and we can all learn together. You know, it's, it's funny is that I used to, you know, I, I read a lot of history um, books and things that that nature, biographies. And one thing I found in common was that parents a long time ago used to bring their kids into their workshops and, and you know, why they're reading and, and doing things. And at first I thought, I was like, yeah, they're going to teach them how to be grown adults. Now as a parent, I realized it's like, well, I can either bring them into my work or I get distracted and go into their work, <laughs> which is toys and video games and things of that nature. But what I say this is this is an activity you could do with your children and both of you can learn and both of you can grow and you know, it's positive, you know, it's fun, you know, it's engaging, you know, it's entertaining, you know, it's educational, right? He talked about, you know, how to give a great uh, public speaking uh, presentation. Here is how to be a great parent and prepare your kid for finances, spend some quality time with your children. Yes, we could we could talk about fairy tales all day long. Yes. But is a fairy tale going to get you alone? Is a fairy tale going to help you negotiate your mortgage? Is a fairy tale going to help you improve your credit score? Is a fairy, is a tale, fairy gonna tale gonna help you understand that by starting the conversation about investing yeah. with your child at age seven, you've given them a runway of potential growth in an asset that they probably wouldn't have gotten until they're in their 20s, started yes. their first job and got their 401k. Because that's exactly. typically when folks get introduced to that stuff. Yeah, that's when they get to. And, and who are they going to ask? They're going to ask their friends. They're going to ask people who are at the job. Why not start with their parents? You know, mm -hmm. I, I think I saw a sign that was funny. It was like, when did we stop preparing our kids for life and trying to protect our kids from life? Mm -hmm. And finances is something that we typically fear so we try to protect our kids from, oh, you don't need to learn about bills. Bills are for grown adults and you don't need to work. Yes, they do. Yeah, they I got do Williams. I don't have bills, but I got Williams. Mine are full grown. <laughs> full grown. No <laughs> nicknames here. So I, I want people to go out there. Where's your book available? Where can they buy it? Where can they engage with you and learn more about Mac? Sure. So like everything, it seems, A.B., you, you can buy the book on Amazon. Uh, you can go there and put in the Four Money Bears. Or if you go to the fourmoneybears.com, that's T-H-E. F-O-U-R-M-O-N-E-Y-B-E-A-R-S. I've had folks put in the number four, but it's actually spelled out. You can learn about the app. You can download the app there, the demo at least. Learn a little bit about that. Uh, there's a link there that will take you to Amazon to buy the book. Uh, and then uh, for Motivate Your Money, if you go to MotivateYourMoney.com, you can learn more about the book there. But both books are available on Amazon. And would love for folks to to, to go to the website. Um, we're at the stage now with the demo where we're, we're garnering and gathering feedback yeah. from folks who download the demo. So would love for people to go support our book, support our what we call our Teach Kids Money mission, and really just you know have a fun tool to start the conversation early because the earlier you do it, the better off your kids will be and, and, and your, the parents will be too. Yeah. And, and another point too, if, if you are in a community that, that may be out somewhere far out and you have a library, go down to your local library, um, request a book as well. So it's Matt Gardner, the four money bears. All you need to do is um, I'm gonna have a link in the description to the book. Um, go down to your local library says, Hey, 
you know, I heard this great book called The Four Money Bears. I would love to have it in our local library. They will request that book from Mac, get it down to you so you can rent it with your library card, which pays for what? Your taxes. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we pay taxes for. So your kids have assets. I don't want to hear, uh, you know, I, I don't know about this and go get the book. I don't care how you get it. Go get it from Amazon. Go order it from your library. But I want it in your households and I want your children to be financially literate so we can close that gap. Uh, any, Mac, any last words from you before we go? I want to thank you um, for having this platform and thank you for seeing value in the work that we're doing. I, I like to say that, that the, the financial life journey is a long one. You know it, you know, when you're an advisor, you get plugged into people's lives at, at, at lots of different times. It could be earlier in their careers, it could be later in their careers, but it's a long journey. And, you know, folks are fortunate to have folks like you in their lives to help provide that guidance. And, and as I like to say that the journey continues. I want you to tell us in 10, 15 seconds, <laughs> why somebody should invest in FinLit Tech going forward. The system is broken. Simple as that. The system currently to educate people young or old about their finances is broken. And we are on a path, on a mission to bring the tools, right, that people need to better not just their life, but the life of generations that are coming from them. We're, we're working to build tools that meets people where they are, right? And sadly, there's, there's just not a lot of that out there. So if you or people in your family are looking to, to do, do better things with your money, financial education, but you're looking to do it in a fun and entertaining way, take a look at what we're building. Well, my Titan Titans and my gifting gals. That is it from financial advisors say the darndest thing. So make sure that you subscribe to the show on our homepage as a thank you. You will be able to download our Christian resource finance guide for biblical principles. Every Christian should know about investing and creating generational wealth. Just go to www.abrwealthmanagement.com backslash podcast, enter your name and email and start fellowshipping with the thousands of listeners and tithing Christians just like you. Stay informed on upcoming guests download more free Christian resources and be notified of special access codes for bonus material. Once again, we want to thank our guest, Matt Garner, for joining us today. That is it from us. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. I hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should have God in it. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or simply visit our website and join our family. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Elijah Ridgeway is an investment advisor representative and owner of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces a podcast show and makes it available on his website and through other distribution channels. Elijah Ridgeway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinion are not necessarily the views and opinions of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any specific security. 
Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become AB Ridgeway Wealth Management client pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnestine podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.